You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. Oh, man, it's been way too long, folks. Thank you once again. It's been, what, eight days now, Sam, since our last podcast? Well, nine, technically. Seems like an eternity. It has. Uh, I think it was, was it last month? Technically, yes. It's been over a month. Well, or last calendar. I haven't heard from, from us all month. Wow, that's amazing. So, this is the Sports long. Brothers Podcast with Sam, yeah, with Sam and Brian Dostler. Uh, and this is actually being recorded and taped on Monday night at 10.17 Eastern Time. We won't put it up until Tuesday morning. Uh, so, bear with us if... Uh, you know, the NHL game uh, with Game 3 in Chicago. So we probably won't have a full update for you there. Uh, but certainly everything else that we'll talk about will be fully updated. Well, we don't pretend to be hockey experts anyway. That's so true. I, I don't know how much insight we could actually give on this game other than it was another fantastic national anthem in Chicago. That is true. And speaking it of... It was the loudest I've heard. It also might be because I had the volume on 35 on the TV. <laughs> And speaking of uh, insight in NHL, not us, but Damon Gray, he'll be our first ever, uh, first ever guest of the Sports Brothers podcast. He will be on the show uh, as soon as this NHL final, the Stanley Cup final, is over. Clarification: first ever audio guest, Alex Dostler. Yes. Cousin, yes. Uh, he was a written guest, writing about some of the Nashville talent. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. I think maybe a little uh, Robbie Ray in there. Yep. Yep. So we're looking forward to have Damon on the show uh, later in the, in the next couple weeks. So, uh, but I'm pretty tired right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it is 10.20. I just got on my first class at Manchester Community College. Summer school, huh? It's not Look fun. At this guy. No, it's not fun. All dressed up for school, khaki shorts that are all ripped. It's not fun. It's a good look for you. But good news today, uh, it's a three anniversary of our state championship win. And yours uh, was seven years ago on Sunday. Uh, yeah. So, both of them wins. Both of them wins. I struck out with the bases loaded. I never played in the game. Mike Thomas picked me up. Matt Thomas, game winning. Uh, or, uh, you warmed up in the bullpen. I did. You know, how, how tough is it, though, Brian? You were such an important part of that team. You played in every single game, but the, and, and you know that you shouldn't have played in that game. I mean, you, you understand why you did. I understand. You I, don't have any hard feelings, but is it is it tough sitting there and, and realizing... That you didn't get a chance to actually play in that. Because you, you, were, you were the starting pitcher in the semifinal game. That went over well. Well, I think you shouldn't have changed your style. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I still have the same feeling. Because uh, I, I remember uh, at some point I realized, I was like, hey, I'm not pitching. Eric Pryor's playing short, or St. Puglisi's playing second. I'm not playing. Like, as weird as it is for me, because again, like you said, I played in every single game beforehand. I know I'm not going to play, so I accepted it right away. I said, you know what, the only time I'm going to come in is if I have to pitch. Or, and you didn't want it. Or, God forbid, God forbid if I pinch run for somebody. That was the only two well, times that wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. And, Co- you know, and, and we didn't, you didn't want to come in and pitch either because it probably would have meant things. Probably. didn't go too well with two guys before. Yeah. Anyways, on to sports where people will actually know the names we're talking about. <laughs> 
All right, so let's uh, so the NBA Finals, Sam, and it, it's amazing. This is why sports radio and podcasting is so fun because if we had done this podcast yesterday, 24 hours ago, well, 36 hours ago, whatever, uh, our tone of this series, of this Golden State and Cleveland series, would be completely different. We would be saying, oh, you know, no Kyrie Irving, Cleveland, four ga- they're going to get sw- swept in four games, maybe win a game at home. But last night, Sam, they somehow, the Cavaliers somehow survive game two and get a huge win in Oakland. And, you know, the tempo of the game, when it started, Brian, it was Golden State tempo. They were, it was, they were getting up and down, up and down, up and down. But by the time the end of the first quarter came around, this game was being played at the pace that it had to be for Cleveland to be successful. Uh, that, that game won. Both teams were over 50 points in the first half, I believe. Uh, in this game, in game two, not the case. It, w- it was a much lower scoring game, uh, um, and that plays right into Cleveland's hands, especially with another scorer down in, in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, of course, already out. The game was played at Cleveland's pace. They really controlled the tempo of the game. And uh, Golden State, they keep falling behind, Brian. Yeah, uh, just bad starts in both games. You know, you and it's been throughout the whole playoffs too. It's not like it's just been isolated to this, the first two games of this series. But I mean, you can't. You there's no way Steph Curry's going to go two for fi- two for sixteen again from three. I mean, he could not have played a worse game, and uh, he had the the free throws late in in regulation that gave him the lead for a short period of time. Uh, so he was clutching that way. But I mean, just two for sixteen. Clay Thompson. Was really the guy, the, the the other Splash Brother, was kind of carrying him uh, in Game Two. But with this Cavaliers win, it wasn't LeBron James. It certainly wasn't Kyrie Irving. It was Matthew Dellavedova that gets the rebound, makes the two free throws, and then plays the heck of a good uh, defense on Steph Curry on that last shot. Well, he had nine points in, in overtime and regu- and excuse me, at the end in the fourth quarter and in overtime, he had nine points and he really had that little teardrop f- falling. Uh, looked a bit unorthodox, but. That's kind of how he plays. and uh, You mentioned Steph Curry and the struggling. Nothing has gotten me more annoyed today than listening to multiple sports talk shows and listening to people talk about Steph Curry's shooting performance like it's the end of the world. Like, it's just going on and on about how he's had such a bad game. Yeah, he didn't play great, but you're not going to shoot lights out every night. You can't. You're going to have off nights. Just came with the worst and, possible game and that, for him. And it just happened to come in game two of the NBA Finals. People are obviously Deladova did a, did a good job on him. He played solid defense. But Curry's going to get his. He's going to find that stroke again. Klay Thompson, he struggled big time in that Western Conference Final. He couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. Yeah, that that if the Rockets were in that series uh, earlier, like you know they they lost in five games, but if that was a series that was two two, it would have been you know we would have been on Clay Thompson for his poor right. shooting performance. But since you know the the Warriors are playing so well as a team that it was kind of forgotten and I just kind of pushed aside. Uh, talk about LeBron James, or I say let's talk about LeBron James because he did have the triple double, right? He had thirty nine points, eleven assists, sixteen rebounds. But when the final buzzer went off. He let off a huge uh, yell and j- and just you know uh, joy that they got this win. But you could also tell in that that it was just pure exhaustion and just kind of like, 
the stress is over for this game. We moved on. That's how it's going to be in a net, or it's going to have to be for him for the rest of the series. Yeah, that's more emotional than I've seen LeBron James uh, in a non-NBA Finals clinching game. Uh, he certainly let off, let off a ton of emotion after that. And I think they were so close in Game 1, they were, what, a tenth of an inch, a quarter of an inch away from it, from stealing that game if the Shumper shot at the buzzer went yeah. And then over time, they just completely fell apart. They had the 11-point lead late in the game. In Game 2, they let that slip away. So it was just, they had to really dig deep, and I think that's why you saw such emotion from LeBron James. And You know, people are giving him a bit of a hard time for, for his shooting line and, and the way he's struggled from the field, but he's doing what he has to do. He's got to be a volume shooter now. It's not what he's been in his career, but with the players on the floor, he has to take on a different persona. He has to be a different type of player. Is this team right now that's that's on the floor, that's active, is this team better or worse than the 2017 LeBron was playing with? Um, it's probably a little better. Because um, in that in that you had Varejao, you had Zildjian Logauskas, you had uh, yeah, Tampa Lightning tied up a two two just like that. Um, you had Daniel Gibson, you Kobe? had yeah, or, yeah, uh, you you had uh, Larry Hughes. Larry, he was the number two. Yeah, he was uh, there too. I think this team, I think this team's a little better. Um, I, I I love what Mozgov has done, even though he didn't play much down the stretch. Cleveland, their hand was forced by the fact that uh, Golden State went small with Draymond Green playing the big. Uh, but you know, I, and I think this is a better LeBron James too. Oh, without a doubt. So I think that automatically makes this team better. It's a good point. Uh, and but I think because this, this is a LeBron James not playing in the sixth NBA final. That time it was his first go around. Which kind of makes it more amazing how he was able to bring that team. To the NBA Finals with what he was 21, 22 years old at that point. Young. Very, very young. Uh, so, game three will be tomorrow night, Tuesday night in Cleveland. So, they travel uh, from the West Coast down to Akron, Ohio. Uh, for, or not Akron, Ohio, or not just to well, Cleveland. Yeah, but anyway, maybe Steph Curry will. They're both from Akron, Ohio, technically. But how annoying is it the Steph Curry thing? Like he had a bad game, dude. I was at, I was at work for well, ten hours and I was in class, so admit, I don't know. You've listened to enough sports talk in your time and read enough sports articles in your time, all twenty years of it, <laughs> to to realize what they would talk about, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm. I just don't get why people. I, I know after games like this, when you have a day off in between, you can break down everything. It's like this Ben Bishop. Uh, thing when he got pulled from goal late in the uh, midway through the third period and came back and left again. And, uh, that's all that was talked about in the NHL world for 24 hours uh, because there wasn't another game. It's the same thing, but man, it gets annoying. It's like he had a bad game. Shake it off. You, someone else wrote a bad article, you know, whatever. Right? It happens. Yeah. Everyone has a bad day. Let's just, everyone's a bad golf day. I mean, it just happens. Speaking of bad golf. Oh, Jesus. I, I opened a can of worms. Oh, man. I played Saturday morning. Willamantic Country Club, right? Willamantic Country That's Club. That's my town. Nine over through 14 holes, which is which is pretty good for me. And I was on a good little stretch. I went birdie par. Um, 
I was one over through the first five on the back, and then I go eight, I go quad, double, double, quad. Shot a 91. 12 over on the last one. 91, so that's even worse than Tiger. Yeah, yeah. That's saying something. Yeah, Tiger was pretty bad. All right, let's... We uh, both took a quad in the last hole. Well, I'm, sh I'm glad that you shared that with him. Uh, let's head over to the NHL Finals. I mean, we can't really talk too, too much right now as we're watching it. There, It's 2-2 in the third period with 13-25 left. Uh, Which means there could be decision times for Sam. Do I stay up for overtime or do I go to bed? Decision time, yeah. So, but Sam, let's talk. You already mentioned the Bishop thing where he came out. Uh, and and what's what's the backup's name? Some big one. Yeah, there we go. So, so that's he, why we don't get yeah. hockey. So, uh, but he comes in and... You know, he 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 leads the team to victory. He, I think he allowed one goal, but he no, did. No, he didn't allow anything. Okay, there you he go. He came in with, and, and Tampa already down 1-0 in the series and up by one goal. And if you remember back to game one, Chicago, two goals really late in the last five minutes of that game. The steal game one away from Tampa 2-1. to one. So this was a Tampa team that was trying to split it home. And he made some big-time saves. He came in, and he was a first-round selection, they said, in 2012. So he's someone they think highly of and uh, they think can be a starter at some point in his career, still very young. Uh, so they weren't surprised, but still, anytime a rookie, no matter how good they are, come in, comes into a situation like that, you might expect some kinks in the armor, but he was fantastic. Made some big-time saves and even that series off. American Pharaoh, Sam. Triple, cr triple crown winner, first one in 76 years since all the way back to, oh, I'm blanking, not Secretariat. What's the name? Affirmed. Affirmed, yes, in 1976. So it's been quite some time since we had a winner. Uh, Sam, I was not able to watch it. It was at the Red Sox-A's game with our parents, but you were able to watch it. But, I mean, I saw the highlights. But American Farrell just blew out the competition. Yeah, and it was, it was impressive. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, when people say, where were you when such and such happened? Mm-hmm. For me, it'll be always the awesome answer. I was in the Connecticut Tigers home clubhouse. I was uh, at Fenway Park. Fixing, fixing a TV. <laughs> um, but he, he just he got out of the gate a little bit slow, but he got right to the front, like wire to wire, and he was ne it never even seemed like he really pushed himself. Uh, the, a couple of the horses made a bit of a run, and he exerted a little bit more energy and he just he won easy it was, it was really impressive and what i thought was really cool was, was afterwards uh the, the jockey uh victor espinoza took him for a bit of a victory lap which you don't see all the time usually they'll go right to the winner's circle uh but he the, the he was soaking it all in and just enjoying the moment and for espinoza that was his third chance at a triple crown horse Last year with um, California Chrome came up short at the Belmont. And uh, what I didn't think about, but I heard on the radio today, can't remember who said it, but they pointed it out. What made this such so awesome is not only were there 90,000 people there, and there's other events that have 90,000-plus people, big-time college football games, but they're not all rooting for the same thing. This time, you True. have 90,000 yeah. people rooting for this one horse. And that just makes made the event that much more special. The atmosphere when yeah. the roar of the crowd. Yeah. Which I thought was a great point. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean there's even if it's a home game for the Oklahoma Sooners, there's always gonna be some right. fans. You, you have the big uh Baylor section or, yeah. or or whatever it is. You know, Alabama L S U, there's still 
a lot of LSU fans there. Do you think we'll see another Triple Crown winner anytime soon? Uh, I, I don't know how soon, but uh, I mean, we've had a lot of instances where uh, we've had a horse win the first two legs, right? Uh, I think just last year at Google Chrome, uh, Big Brown in 2008, uh, Smarty Jones. Uh, there's been a lot of horses that have had the chance, but it always seems that this mile-and-a-half track at the Belmont, well, obviously it is because that's the last one where they don't win, but it seems to just be too much for them. And uh, I remember last year after California Chrome uh, lost, his owner was talking about how it's unfair that the, the horse that keeps winning uh, has to run these three big races in such a short amount of time. Well, you'll have horses in the Belmont who haven't run in weeks, and they're fresher. Uh, so uh, that's part of the reason. But this America, American Pharaoh is just a special horse. You were listening. You are listening to the Sports Brothers podcast with Sam and Brian Dosslard again. Uh, we are actually recording this on Monday night. It is now ten thirty-three p.m. Eastern time. We'll be putting this up on Tuesday morning for you folks again it's been a while since uh that you have opened your ears to us and, and listened to us so we appreciate you uh with the listen uh so later on the show it's going to be stump the bro uh nca rule changes and a, a little mlb talk but right now it's time for sands back on the radar they've been off the grid for a while but now it's time for sams back on the radar little bit of a different twist on back of the, on the radar. I wanted to talk about a story that I found really interesting. Uh, Jim Nance told the story on CBS's coverage of the memorial this past weekend, uh, Jack Nicholas's tournament, David Lingrick the winner. But uh, Eric Compton finished somewhere in the middle of the pack. Uh, this is a guy who we finished T2 at the U.S. Open last year, a journeyman PGA Tour player, uh, has never won tour. Uh, but the amazing story about him is he's a guy who he's had two heart transplants. Uh, so not only one, but twice. And the tournament out in Ohio, so Compton was out one night, out one night for dinner in Dublin, and his server, his waitress at this restaurant, found out that Compton was a two-time heart transplant. So she started talking to him, and she was saying her nephew passed away tragically, and that he had eight, his, her nephew passed away tragically eight years ago in a motorcycle crash, and he had been an organ donor, so he had given his heart to someone. So just on a whim, Compton asks what the kid's name was. Come to find out that it was this woman's nephew whose heart was now with Eric Compton. I mean... It's unbelievable. Just amazing. Small world. I, I mean, you... What what are the chances? What are the exactly? What are the chances? And and it's you know this isn't exactly back on the radar or whatever, but it's just it's one of those stories that is worth telling. Yeah, it's just it's. Can you imagine that moment where the where they first realize, like, oh wow, <laughs> you're the donor. Yeah, it, it would have been like, oh, I, I, what would you say? Yeah, like. Thank you. Thank and, you. And remember, she's she's working. Yeah. Like, like uh, she has to remain professional and as it, possible. It's not her only table. And, yeah. And you know the people that she's serving at the next table over would be you know they would they wouldn't know what's going on. Yeah. But it's it's just it's an amazing story and 
you're always just shocked when stuff like that comes up. And it's a it's a it's a sad story, but it's a great story at the same time. All right, so we'll do NCAA rules. You want to take take with this, Sam? Yeah, uh, today some some news broke from the NCAA, and a lot of these rules they were expected. Uh, this is NCAA men's basketball, uh, but a series of rules were approved on Monday uh, by the NCAA men's basketball rules committee. Uh, a couple of them they tried in the NIT, the uh, postseason NIT this past year. They so they're officially going to shorten the shot clock from 35 to 30 seconds, which I like. Um, Western Massachusetts girls basketball plays with a 30-second shot clock, so <laughs> I think the big boys in the NCAA can. Um, it'll create more possessions. We saw points per game go up a little bit. Why not, why not that much, though? Yeah, but it's over time. It's it's good. It's a good change. No, I, I think it is good. I be- mean, how many times do you, do you just see? I mean, especially I know, especially UConn. UConn. <laughs> Top of the key, boat right to purpose, boat right to purpose. Shot. Oh, okay. oh, shot clock's down to 12. We should run a uh, isolation ball screen now and, and see what we can do. Uh, a couple other changes as well. Timeouts are dropping from 5 to 4. Still will have the user to That's a big so, difference. So you can only have three timeouts to start the second half. Now, that, that that's a huge it difference. Is, but, it is, but I, I don't mind it. You have four media timeouts every half, so you're still working with eight timeouts. Plus the fact that everything's reviewed in the last two minutes of games, it seems like you're going to get those extra timeouts built in. Uh, some other changes, the restricted area, this is another one they did in the NIT. It's going to be changed from three to four feet, so it'll give players more room to, to operate in the lane, which is good. Uh, the offensive player will be afforded the same vertical, verticality principles as the defensive players. Uh, and these are two uh, two rules I like here at the end, the last two. Uh, coaches no longer the ability to call a live ball timeout, so if there's a fight for a loose ball on the floor, uh, the coach from the sideline isn't going to be able to call a timeout. And then the last one... Can a player call a timeout? A player can still call okay. a timeout. But the coach on the other side of the court can't scream timeout, timeout, timeout. Which makes sense because you really can't. Right. I mean, how how can you tell if your team has a ball or not? Right. I mean, they're just yelling it and hoping yeah. that they're going to get yeah. at the timeout in the yeah. possession. And then the last one, uh, in the past, if a team had been coming up on 10 seconds in the backcourt, they could call timeout, get it reset. Uh, that won't be the case anymore. They'll pick up right where they left off. So if the timeout comes, see now that's seconds, that is I really that's something yeah, I really like. If the timeout comes after seven seconds have gone by, you just have three seconds to get it across half court. Because, I, I like be, that because we've talked about that, it's like you're you're not rewarding the defense at all. They're the so offense is the, the offense is the offense is calling a timeout because the defense is playing good defense and not allowing the other team to get across uh, the halfway line in ten seconds. So why exactly? It's a bailout. What, that doesn't make sense. So that's good. They they've cleared that up. I, I think I think personally for me, I think all the rules that they've done this year uh, are good. I think they still. Have yeah, to, I don't. I don't really have a problem with any of them. I think they still need to do a few things as far as bumping goes when players move through the lanes. Need more freedom of movement like they have in the NBA. Uh, but this is all certainly a, a step in the right direction. All right, so uh, the Australian Open, Sam, you did a lot of that. Cal State Fullerton taking the lead. Wearing my Cal State hat. We're a bit, we're uh, closet Cal State Fullerton baseball fans. And that's a foul ball. That's what they're about. <laughs> All right, well there goes that. Um, can they reveal in college baseball? I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we will find out. Um, 
Where were we going with this? Australian Open. Australian Open. Stan Wawrinka. Sometimes I can say it. Sometimes you know I was nailing it, and then mom and dad kept saying all these different pronunciations for it last name night. Stan Wawrinka. There we go. Four sets winner uh, over Novak Djokovic, and I'll tell you the Joker. The Joker, and I'll, you got to give him a lot of credit because uh, it looked like. Djokovic was going to even the match at two apiece, two sets apiece. Djokovic won the first three games of that fourth set. Wawrinka came storming back, uh, ended up taking the set. He just looked quicker and more powerful than some of the players he played, uh, obviously in the early rounds. But he overpowered Federer, and for much in the quarters, and then for much of the afternoon. Uh, on Sunday in the final, he overpowered Djokovic, who's now lost six of nine finals that he's played in, which is a bit surprising. He's also been to nine finals. Ye- yes. That's yes. the other thing. That's I mean, that's like LeBron James, kind of. But after kind of. watching Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal close out finals when they've been there as the top players so often, it's a little bit surprising. So but, you're saying he's LeBron James of tennis? Sure. I also think it's a, tennis is a little deeper now than it was when Federer was in his heyday. Is, also, Federer was that much better than everyone else. Is Federer done? Like, are we going to see the Grand Slam championship? Uh, I don't know. Championship We're running out of time. I, I thought last year was he played in the, the Wimbledon final, and I thought last year was one of his uh, last really good chances. I mean, he still gets deep quarterfinals, semifinals, and tournaments. Uh, but we're, we're, he's certainly coming to the end. Uh, I remember, I think we were both watching the match. I think it was, maybe it was just me, but two years ago, I think the 2013 uh, U.S. Open, he lost pretty early. And that match had that feel of this could be it. But he came back and had a, a pretty good 2014. So you uh, never know. He just can't consistently beat the top guys like he used to. It's tough. I mean, yeah, it's tough I mean, to be the best. Yeah. yeah. No Serena Williams. No, no. Yeah. Easily went in her twentieth. Unbelievable. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, those those two, Serena and Venus Williams, they were at the very, very top. Venus is still. Venus didn't get sick, and you know, yeah. But Serena, Serena was up, down to the lowest of lows, and now is really back up to the top, and she has been the last couple of years. Uh, Well, oh, story I want to tell you. So at, at work today. Uh, which I couldn't get tips because I had to go to class. I was pretty uh, upset about that. But what tournament was it? Though? It was a Wheeler Clinic. Jim Tennant was there, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah. Did you talk to him? No. I, think I, was I don't know. Um, clearly not working on the case anymore. Clearly not. Uh, so, anyways, um, I was sitting at the second hole because that's what my job was to, to direct traffic. No, that well, they closed it for. Uh, I thought I saw a flag there when I drove by. Yeah, they it's open, but they closed it today because they don't want anyone on. Like a, there was like 142 golfers out there today, and they don't want all those people out there fresh early in the season for the first hole. And, anyways, so I'm sitting in the second hole, like directing traffic, telling people where to go. And I mean, this was probably about two hours into the to the time where I was just sitting there doing really nothing. And this group comes up, and uh, they go, "Have you hit today?" And I go, "No." Keep in mind, I'm, a, I'm at the second hole, so it's the part four over the water that's right there. And other players a part four. Yeah, so, and uh, they go, "Have you have you hit have you hit anything today?" I go, "No." 
You know, do you want? He, then they go, do you want to? It's like I'm a lefty. I'm sure you guys know anything. Oh no, lefty club right here. I was like, all right, yeah, what the heck? I'll take, I'll take a shot. Uh, I end up slicing it way left, but I was just happy that I didn't like hit it in the water. Top it in the water, yeah. But it 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 by far made my day. It absolutely by far. It was it was really cool that they did that, and it was just it, it was fun. You you usually get nice people there. Yeah. And I'll tell you that hole. It's a really tough par three. It's an even tougher par four. God. It's brutal. Oh. I mean, sitting sitting and watching uh, a bunch of tee shots today. Uh, Especially because it's not set up for a par. Yeah, I mean, th- there's plenty. I mean, there's plenty of shots where people it seems like they're bombing them out there, but they're like not even like reaching the the fairway. They're, they're like in that rough, and because it's it's so uphill, you can't get any type of a roll. Right, and it, well, set up. It's a it's a par three fairway cutout. And I also saw a lot of of golfers hitting it in the water about ten feet in front of us. So there was a lot of that too. Um, is seventeen open? Seven temporary still. Still. Yeah, I don't know when they're going to get that 14? done. Uh, 14's been open, yeah, for a while now. But they use the practice numbers, green. Numbers must be getting pretty frustrated. Yeah, the practice green. It's it's a whole it's a whole big mess. Well, and, and if you're listening in other parts of the country that isn't New England, uh, very tough winter in New England. So the greens are are having a tough time bouncing back. The Travelers Championship in a couple weeks actually. Uh, they've had a lot of temporary greens over at TPC Cromwell River Highlands. Uh, they're actually gonna they might have to paint some greens to make them look good. Uh, really? Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. That was kind of inside uh, Country Club talk back in uh, April and May, but it's out there now. It's streaming the internet like crazy I now. I'm sure. Uh, hey, no, we got, what, 50, 60 view, views on our, on our last that, podcast? I was going to say, I'm sure that the, the uh, higher-ups in the PGA world are listening. You never know, Sam. You do never know. You never know. Uh, do you want to do MLB talk? Um, I don't know. We're 29 minutes in this podcast. 29 minutes in, it's 10.46. The Red Sox are playing better. They are. I thought you were going to continue. That that seemed like a conversation starter. Well, I was going to wait to see what you came back with. No, uh, no. The pitching's been... It's been better. It has been better. I'll, I'll tell you what. The win on Sunday, that's that type of win that... Could really propel the team. Seven runs in the eighth inning. Yeah. Uh, poor start from Clay Buckles. And after he'd been so good, he got his ERA down below four. But that's the type of win that can propel things. You, you almost wish they didn't have an off day. Yeah. On Monday, today, yesterday, whenever you're <laughs> Well, it's technically today. Um, that's technically Sunday. Because you wanted you want to keep that momentum rolling. Yeah, well, I was at the game Saturday, and they won that game. But yeah, <laughs> by the way, folks, I mean, neither Sam, especially me, we're not big on matching. Like, you know, it, I, I usually ask others, like, does this match? And they say yes, and I go, yeah, okay, you know, I don't really care. But our father, right, so we're getting ready to go to the game. It's it's like 11.25. He comes downstairs, and he's in his blue Nike shoes. All blue. All blue. High Could, tops. High tops, right? Yeah, he's... What fifty-seven years old, fifty-eight years old? He's a baller. He, he's a baller, and then uh, he's got his tan shorts, which is fine. Khaki, which shorts. is fine, which is perfectly fine. But then for his shirt decision, this is where it tops it all off, right? So you got your blue, you got your khaki tan. He goes volunteer orange 
for his t-shirt. He goes, voluntarily, voluntary orange. Yes, there you go. Play on words there, no pun intended. Literally, <laughs> orange and blue. And I go, what are you doing, Dad? And he goes, what? No, you look like an idiot in that, in that orange and blue. And then he has Mom, and she's like, no, it doesn't look too bad. I'm like, he looks like an idiot. He looks, he looks terrible. Like, what are you talking about? He looks like a pumpkin, Mom. Because he's got the belly. He's got the, yeah, he's got the belly. Carries that 290 well, though. And then even funnier, uh, our seats were in center yeah, field. Wow. Anyways, um, our seats were in center field, pretty much dead center field. And Henry Ramirez, he hits, he hits a home run in, uh, in, right near the, where, the, where the seats are, are blocked right. off. Tarped off. Tarped yeah. off, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I watched the replay of it. And sure enough, you know, you got... Red Sox games, right? So you got a bunch of white, you got a bunch of red, a little mix of blue. Navy. Yeah. Maybe blue. Then there's this orange guy. <laughs> he sticks out like a sore thumb. And let me tell you, it is so easily uh, to see. And if, if you want to check it out yourself, just go like MLB.com or, or anywhere, Red Sox page, and just look up Hanley Ramirez's home run, a two-run home run Saturday. in the first thing on Saturday. And when you see an orange thing in the crowd, it's, it's our father. And the funny thing is, after they show that, they cut to another section with a guy wearing orange. Yeah, I know. But it's just... I was really hoping that there was more of close-up or a zoom-up of, of Dad. I mean, that was... Your eye just got drawn to it. Yeah. It was like... Trust me, cool. it wasn't just us that saw that. I mean, we, we know that it's our father and we were looking for it, but I'm sure there was others that at least may, maybe not have talked about it, but said, oh, wow, orange, that sticks out, and you know, just kind of visual... All right, well, now let's time to stump each other with Stump the Bro. It's time to Stump the Bro. All right, Savvy. It's 1-1. It's 1-1. I got a win last week to tie things up. So I will go first. I'll give you my question. Which team originally drafted and signed Hall of Famer Tom Seaver in 1966 before the deal was nullified? Was it the Metropolitans, New York Mets? Was it the uh, Philadelphia Phillies? Was it the Oakland A's? Or was it the Atlanta Braves? Atlanta Braves. That's correct. So can you imagine, in 66, oh, that was well before the 90s with Maddox and them, but uh, Tom Seaver, if he went over to the Mets, or to the Braves, the rival of the Mets. It's crazy. Yeah, and I won the World Series with the Mets, and obviously was a very good pitcher. Before, what team did he finish his career with? Astros? I believe it was the Boston Mets. Was it? I think his last year was the uh, the nineteen eighty six uh, Red Sox. He was on the other side of that. I believe so. We're both looking up. Let's see who can get it first. Double check that, and uh, yeah, his last year nineteen eighty six with the Boston Red Sox, hmm. which is kind of funny for a guy who uh, played twelve years with the New York Mets. All right, so. Who is the only MLB player to play all 162 games over the course of the last two seasons? Not counting this season. 
So they each so they each played this player played all 162 games. He's the only one during the 2013 and 2014 season. If I can I take a guess here, but if I get it wrong you can still give me the choices. Well, I just all right. Never mind. Just to impress the audience, if I got it right, because I have the name in my head right now. You can be a no. You if you want to say the name, you have to. Then then I got to get an extra bonus here. Then I got this is a twofer. No. Then all right. Then give me the names. Then, then there's then there's no point for me to, to guess it. So yeah. But then there's what? Then I give you two guesses. What if you say someone who's not even on the list? Well, then you would just read me the names. Anyways. Just just ask, or just tell me the names. You're already disappointed right now. You're just like, Jesus, he already has it. I don't know. Miguel Cabrera. Evan Longoria. Hunter Pence. Or... Carlos... Ooh, it wasn't any of those guys. <sighs> By the way, it was J.J. Hardy I was thinking. Oh, okay. I think he was... You can check that. So you have Cabrera, you have Carlos Gonzalez, you have uh, Longoria. And Hunter Pence. And Hunter Pence. It's Hunter Pence. Yeah, yeah that was that was easy. Look up or I, JJ Hardy played in 141 last year. Uh, in 2012, he played 158. In 2013, he played 159. So he's he's a uh, Pence that is right. Hunter. Yeah, Hunter Pence. He played 162, 162. Or right, so so JJ Hardy was what? He played 158 and then 159 in back to back years in 12 and 13. See, so that was in the ballpark. All right, well, we're still in the same place. We're tied, 2-2. Yeah, this is actually, I, I can't take credit for coming up with this one. Apparently, uh, the head usher, uh, it was employee orientation today at Dot Stadium. The head usher, I guess, he always comes in with a, a new baseball trivia question. Love those people. So he comes in with this one, and I was just walking through the office, and he was asking, and I haven't even met this, I didn't met this guy, and... He's asking two people I work with, and they have no idea. And I'm just like, Hunter Pence. And he's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like I was looking it up. I was looking at his stats one day or something. Well, I think it's it's also because, by the way, Sam and I, we follow like two or three MLB beat writers from every single baseball team. And if you love baseball or if you love soccer, hockey, football, basketball, whatever it is, make a list on Twitter and just uh, – Add them to that list and just have that be like your your Twitter feed. Even if you just go to it for you know ten minutes a day, oh, and read two articles. You you fill up so much information about teams you never would have thought of, and I think partly the reason why you're well, you had that. I knew this for a while. All right. This well, was, I, I I think I don't know. I looked at I was looking at his stats at the beginning of the season. Maybe when he got hurt uh, in spring training and. Uh, it, it, that's just something when you look at his stat page on Baseball Reference, the two numbers are bold. It just stands out. Because especially in this day and age when not many guys uh, play that many games. Uh, and He won't do it this year, though. Hurt in spring training. He's only played in 18 games. Yeah, so there goes that. All right, well, thank you for listening to today's podcast. 
last night's podcast, whatever you want to call it. Uh, our podcast. Our podcast, okay. Uh, please subscribe us to early week. Who says we're going to do a late week? Well, it's still early week. Yeah, that's true. All right, so thank you for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. I don't like that mic drop. Neither does Nate Brown, so you should probably stop that. Um, yeah, so you can listen and, yeah, listen, you can't watch. You can listen to all of our episodes off NicoDiGregorio.com. He put up an episode yesterday, so check that out. It's a good one. Uh, but for now, folks, uh, have a great rest of your week.